Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. Coming at ya. <laughs> <laughs> coming, coming, coming at ya. Um, episode 100. A fish. It's totes a fish. And like we mentioned last week, lines beautifully with a very special day in your life. I, I mean, it's just a day that happens once a year that coincides with the date of my birth. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, did you have a good one? It was a good weekend. We did a bunch of things. I played some tennis. You and I played a, a, a sort of unofficial match where I lost. <laughs> uh, you did not care that it was my birthday and decided to beat me anyway. <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, yeah, it was nice, relaxing. I took an extra day yesterday just to chill. I'm like, I don't know that I want to do anything. So I chilled out. I watched some tennis. I watched Bianca, who we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. I got a massage and I had a nice dinner. Yeah, I think it's it it's worth mentioning who you got a birthday shout out from on the yes. IG. Yes. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> for giving me a birthday message. Um, it seems to be a tradition that uh, Aldwin reaches out to players we have interviewed to send me a birthday message. And uh, he is very sweet and decided to do it shirtless, which we all appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> he is just a super nice person and obviously looks very good. Yeah, he's playing a challenger in Tallahassee. And one of our IG followers slid into our DMs and, and was like, why is he shirtless? I'm like, oh, that's how they roll down in Tallahassee, I guess. He knows, somebody else said they, that he knows his fan base. So maybe he's like developing a little gay following. I mean, no other ATP players are. <laughs> Might as well be him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that that's, that would necessarily have been his lane, but he he's just very genuine in terms of his just desire to stay in touch with us and communicate with us and sends us cute little, well, mostly you, I think, cute little voice messages where you guys go back and forth and we've talked about like potentially hanging out. So that's been cool. Yeah. Just, I mean, it all started with calling him a snack. Look yeah. where that led to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just a nice, nice guy. So I really appreciated, um, the message from him as he was driving, which is maybe a little dangerous. Yeah. Well, I mean, on behalf of all of our followers, all of our IG lovers, all of the tennis players that we have interviewed, we want to wish you a super amazing happy birthday, girl. This is your, this, I've said this on the show before, I think this is your tennis year. This is your year that you're going to capture that title, that elusive title. No more finalist trophies for you. <laughs> I have to get past round two of the A draw first. Um, also, if anyone has eye cream recommendations, please send them my way. Because it's getting a little heavy under here. You know, 44 gets a little heavy. <laughs> but yes, I do. Um, you know, in, if we go back to our match for a second. Yeah. Um, I All I said to myself was, I just want to keep fighting. You know, I think I have a tendency where, you know, if I'm down in a match, I'm either the guy who will come back or I'm like, mm, I'm, I'm not into this anymore. <laughs> really? And I, I just, I feel like I need to always be into it now regardless of what the score is. I just need to just make sure I stay focused mentally. So I was going to say, I think you're the, one of the most mentally strong 
rec players that I've ever played against. I know that no lead is secure when I play you. <laughs> and that was really indicative nice. of our match on Monday. Like, I mean, I really, the thought in my head for that entire match was like, get a fucking first serve in. <laughs> that was, I mean, that's the story of my entire tennis career. But you come back all the time and you came back in that second set. Yeah. And you came back in the first set, which and which allowed you to take the first set. And you thwarted my comeback in the second <laughs> set, which allowed you to take the second set. Yeah, and I just kept on repeating to myself, like, don't hit to his fucking forehand. Are you, you, you're not, are you new? Like, you played him <laughs> 50 million times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 50 million and one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was good. And you hadn't played for like, I don't know, six weeks maybe? Yeah, like uh, six, seven weeks. When that happens, Pung comes back, right? Because, you know, uh, yeah. the two-handed on both sides is a very secure thing for me. <laughs> I wasn't going to toy around with a one-handed forehand. And uh, yeah, CGO, just letting y'all know, uh, and all of our followers that may be at the CGO this year, you're not going to see Alduin hit a one-handed forehand. It's just like not going to happen. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it w okay, just f let me set the stage for all you <laughs> okay. listeners. Go. In the, in the warm-up, he hit the one-handed <laughs> forehand for like 10 minutes. And then it was like... I'm going to challenge this. I'm going to say a little bit later on that I'm going to play a set. So I'm going to work on my, I'm just going to incorporate my two handed so that <laughs> when I'm ready to say, let's play a set, bitch, <laughs> that he, that I've, I've hit a few of those. So, um, I thought the first few games were good. It got a little dicey and then it got better in the second set, um, sort of midway through the second set. Yeah. I felt like the last, I mean, the last 30 minutes of our play were really solid, like good rallies. I wasn't double faulting anymore. You're hitting your forehand really well. We, we, you know, implemented some form of strategy instead of waiting for the other player to make a mistake. Yeah. So it was good. Yeah. And for all you rec players out there, when you keep the ball in the court, <laughs> um, good things can happen for you. <laughs> Just keep the ball in the court. Yeah. Um, we were going to record yesterday, which mm. would have been Tuesday, and it's probably a good thing that we waited until today because <laughs> <laughs> there's some uh, big news in the tennis world. Something that there was some rumblings about maybe like a month ago, mm. but now it's totes a fish. Um, and the news is that Wimbledon is banning Russian and Belarusian players from the 2022 tournament triggered <laughs> triggered all over the place a lot of people have been triggered by this i mean the last time jason brought this up, i was like do we really have to talk about this on the podcast <laughs> this time with a little preparation i am less triggered however it is a very contentious issue mm -hmm. doing the research on this there are opinions from all sides I would say, though, mostly, and, you know, you said this to me a couple minutes ago, I don't you feel most people feel it's unfair? I mean, unfair is an understatement, but that would be the word I would use. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a few people who maybe don't have a, a great way of articulating their thoughts, so they just do, like, the clap emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and then other people who have a bit more thought around it are... are denouncing it a little bit more mm -hmm. yeah i think it's uh, important to note that the the grand slams have a bit of their own autonomy to make decisions separate from the actual tours right um and because wimbledon is a private club they can kind of set their own rules so it's it's uh not i i think the the tournament is run by the all england tennis club lawn tennis club which i mm -hmm. think is the acronym that i was saying i was like what is that acronym a e c l or t l c or whatever um yeah all england lawn tennis tennis club, club. yeah mm -hmm. so they're the ones who run wimbledon and on behalf of the tournament they are the ones that made the decision to ban russian and belarusian players which means within the top 100 there's probably like a dozen, two Belarusian players, I guess, in Azarenka and Sabalenka. 
mm-hmm. Sabalenka being the semifinalist last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, about a dozen or 10 perhaps Russian players in the top 100, I guess, on both the men's and women's side collectively. Yeah, Navratilova had said that it, you know, in the top 100, you're looking at like 10% of the top 100 players being Russian or Belarusian. So that takes out a pretty significant amount of the women's draw. I mean, I did a little bit of research. The players that would be affected that would not be able to play include Sabalenka, and this is in order of ranking. Sabalenka, Pavlyuchenkova, Azarenka, Kazakina, Kudermatova, Kaza- oh, I put her twice, Alexandrova, Sasnovich, Kracheva, Rakamova, Zvonareva. That's, so, not, that's like nine players on the women's side. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. And on the men's side, it would be obviously Medvedev, Rublev, Kachanov, Karatsev, Ivashka in the top 100 right and medvedev is number two you have medvedev and rublev who are perennial or consistent players that make it deep in the draw so to have their absence it's like you know it's kind of a little bit of the discussion of what happens when you don't have the big three in a draw is it is it remember we had this discussion a couple seasons ago like is it a legitimate slam if they're not (laughs) there yeah (laughs) Yeah, is it a legitimate slam if now if you remove people who, from their own merits, which is part of the rationale and the statements that the ATP and WTA have made, that they sh- traditionally are allowed to make it based on the quality of, and solidness of their play, um, and now they're being excluded. Is it legitimate if you're excluding them? Yeah, you know, I thank you for bringing that up. When I was doing the research of the articles, the ATP statement, that precise point really resonated with me because it comes off as completely fair and just. Like, you know, their entire, I guess, mission statement is allowing players to enter tournaments based on the merit of their play, Mm -hmm. which is what it should be, really, right? So, you know, reading that immediately, I felt... Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, that goes against the grain of what the ATP and the WTA stand for. And, you know, as we'll get into it, Wimbledon clearly felt differently. And, you know, you posted on our IG today asking our followers what they generally thought about the Wimbledon blocking of these Belarusian and Russian players. And I think you had mentioned one person was like in favor of blocking those players, but many people felt like it's not their fault like just based on your nationality you shouldn't be prevented from participating in a tournament so yeah it looks like we had about 10 or 12 people respond yeah um uh, somebody said i i am not a fan of this at all mm. uh don't agree not the player's fault this is happening somebody just said boo uh, somebody said arbitrary <laughs> nonsense uh, hard to oh here hard to find sympathy for uh, Russian players when they haven't shown much against the war. Mm-hmm. Somebody said ridiculous, not mm. fair for the players. Um, with the severity and atrocities occurring in Ukraine, I think it's completely valid. Um, somebody said rue, so I don't know what that means. Ray, <laughs> Ray, let us know what you meant by that. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. <laughs> <laughs> Hypocrisy, especially for a country that's privileged half the damn world. Or, sorry, pillaged. <laughs> privileged. Pillaged. <laughs> so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the... Um, some of the pushback around uh, this other comment, which says that it sets a dangerous precedent. Yeah. 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 Absolutely does. Um, I read a piece by a columnist for the Globe and Mail that said that, yeah, it sucks that they're, that Wimbledon is preventing these players from participating. But he did raise a point that, not that I agreed with, but did make sense to me. It's like, in situations like this, there's always going to be a loser that doesn't isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have their hands in the problem like Medvedev doesn't have his hands in the problem Mm -hmm. and so there's going to be hypocrisies flying about but the reality of the situation is that there is a country that's being invaded um, a, a sovereign country that's being invaded where innocent people are dying so Wimbledon has felt 
the need to take a very strong stance against that. Svitolina obviously would agree. Um, Stakovsky, who used to be an ATP player, but has just, just has recently retired. Both Ukrainians are saying, listen, you know, these Russian, Russian players have not said anything. And in their minds, not saying anything is almost like being complicit with the war. Right. to use to paraphrase more or less so i mean there's two sides of the coin here i mean i do feel for russian players where they were born has not shouldn't really impact their ability to enter tournaments but it is also i mean if you look if you look at it the reality is people are dying and maybe something of this magnitude needs to have a very aggressive kind of stance from some of the you know, international sports authorities, Wimbledon being one of them, FIFA being one of them. Right. So, I mean, I can see both sides of it. I'm pay- I'm playing such a like, you know, <laughs> you're playing ride, me right now. <laughs> ride the fence, girl. I know exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, another player who had posted something was Marta Kostyuk. Mm-hmm. She's a Ukrainian player. And, you know, she posted a statement that um, silence in the face of injustice is complicity with the oppressor. So, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously she's looking for some more from the Russian and Belarusian players. And, you know, she's asking, um, she asked in in a Twitter post that she posted today um, that Russian and Belarusian players should be made to answer three questions. Mm. Um, Do you support Russians' invasion of Ukraine territory? Um, uh, since the war started, um, do you support the military activities and do you support Putin's and whoever the Belarusian president's <laughs> regime? <laughs> mm-hmm. And as we discussed before we hopped on, answering those questions in any way is perhaps a little bit dangerous when you have a dictator. <laughs> in the country and perhaps those players might have you know family members and extended relatives still there Mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily the best position for them to be in which is why i think you know the tour is acknowledged and recognized that these players play an individual sport and you know they represent their countries at some of these other team competitions so the countries were banned from the team competitions and able to continue to represent themselves at tournaments but with a neutral flag so you know i'm looking at the atp um site right now and Mm -hmm. you know rublev does not have a flag he has like a blank white rectangle (laughs) rectangle where the russian flag used to be yeah um just to kind of piggyback what you were saying um oh i lost my train of thought um (laughs) Shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Shitty. I think you know. I I also read an article, um, which sucks. I can't look at now because I'm not a USA Today <laughs> subscriber. Because I saw the full article before. Um, it says um, banning Russian players, including Daniil Medvedev, number two in the world from Wimbledon, makes no sense. Mm. Um, and some of the arguments that you know he was making is like what do they hope that this will accomplish? Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to impact? Like, is Putin going to say, oh, my God. Right. <laughs> they're banning these players from Wimbledon. I'm going to change my course in Ukraine. Like, the chances of that there being any impact that way is, like, slim to zero because he's crazy. Right. And, um, you know, it sets a little bit of a dangerous precedent to our precedent to um, one of our um, IG followers in that, you know, you could look at a myriad of conflicts. um, You know, why aren't Chinese players being banned from playing as a result of what's happened to Peng Shui and the silence that she's had to face? Why aren't Chinese players being banned from Wimbledon? Why, you know, when the U.S. and Britain um, sort of... Uh, claimed that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. Right. Why weren't all these players banned from Wimbledon back in 2003? So his article, which was um, written by a guy named Dan Wolken for USA Today, said, you know, would there have been an uproar if Andre Agassi and Andy Roddick were banned from Wimbledon back in 2003 as a result of sort of um, the false, um, you know, weapons of mass destruction argument? 
yeah, I mean that that actually actually was my train of thought, and just to connect it, just to connect it to the questionnaire that Kostyuk wanted Russian players to answer, it's it is that slippery soap slope idea. So are we going to now from now on have a questionnaire asking representatives from certain countries what they feel about their regime's policies? Like, yeah. is that is are we going to intermix politics and sport like that? Like. I, it's yeah it's just really messy very very yeah. messy and um i don't know it's it's it feels like there's a lot of entanglement and hard to yeah really hard to detangle i mean i think the person that wrote the um the editorial in the globe and mail to just kind of rebut what you said about is putin really going to change his mind based on this blocking of russian players participating at wimbledon no clearly no but you know, Russia does have a prestige in sport, and that's where a lot of the international community feel like they can hit Russians the hardest is, you know, refusing their participation in sport because they're actually, I think it was FIFA, um, the governing soccer body in Russia, immediately contacted FIFA and said, you need to overrule this decision to not let us qualify for the, you know, the World Cup finals. And they're like, no, girl. It's too bad, so sad. You're invading a sovereign country. So, yeah. I mean, they felt it necessary enough to, you know, ask them to turn over the decision. So clearly, they find it it finds sport important in some way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I think that instance, in a way, makes sense because it's a team based sport, and you are in 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 a greater sense representing your country like you're playing for that particular team whereas Mm -hmm. you know Daniil is playing for himself and as the author of this article said he's playing for BMW and he's playing for Lacoste he's playing for his sponsors (laughs) yeah but you know what like sorry sorry just to because this is fresh in my mind but remember Daniil was the same guy that was just like I'm not loved anywhere yeah I'm gonna go just play tournaments in Russia so you know, if if the point that you're trying to make is that players are playing for all of these sponsors, I think a lot of them do play for their for their country. And yeah, there's a bit more of an argument when it comes to team sports because you are representing that country, um, whereas tennis you're representing yourself. But I mean, but then why have a flag? You yeah. know, why have a flag on the ATP website rep- representing where you're coming from? You know, yeah. so the other part of his article that I thought was interesting was um you know he talks about how a lot of players like daniel left russia many many years ago and he's Mm. lived in monaco you know (laughs) you can uh make a little bit more money and save a little bit more money because it's uh, obviously well known for being a tax shelter Mm -hmm. but there's other players who are russian but who have um, moved their allegiance and changed their nationality and decided to play for other countries because Russia was less supportive for them and there was less resources for them as they were coming up as a player. So um, Alexander Bublik being one, who is Russian but plays for Kazakhstan, as well as Rabakina, Mm -hmm. who also plays for Kazakhstan. So they are Russian perhaps haven't said also said anything about the war but because they now represent Kazakhstan they will still get to play at Wimbledon yeah I mean they're not gonna win but (laughs) (laughs) uh you know well Bublik's not gonna win but Rebecca's (laughs) her upside is perhaps pretty strong on grass I don't know I mean you know when you take a look at the perspective draw for the men's and ladies side you can't help but feel that it's unfortunate that they won't get to play. Yeah. It will it will be a very glaring um omission all of these players not being part of the draw. And for the just for the sport of tennis, it it's a, it's a shame. I agree with Navratilova. It's really a shame. Yeah. I think the last point before we beat a horse on this one <laughs> is um so when, what's the what's the ending principle? So like mm. this war could mm. go on Mm. Um, and you know nobody in in this whole conversation we're not supporting the war obviously everything that's happening there is devastating we would like it to end we would like ukraine to continue to have its sovereignty we're just talking about the issue at hand but Mm -hmm. uh, you know if this war continues um are russian players gonna you know every year have to be banned from wimbledon yeah yeah 
Good that's question. one of the issues that that I have with it as well. Um, keep letting us know your thoughts. I Slide mean, in. what do what do you think the the ATP and the WTA? We didn't really talk about what they said, but they basically uh, don't like this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how they're going to fight it, or if they're going to fight it, or have conversations. I presume some of these conversations were already being had. Uh, I assume Wimbledon would have given them a heads up. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there's going to be any sort of further back and forth or any potential negotiation or a change of course. Yeah, I think from what I read, the ATP and WTA are going to allow uh, Russian and Belarusian players to play um, tournaments, clearly. And um, I, I, I think they were very vague about like what that meant in terms of consequences to their like ranking points. Like, will they have protected ranking points based on how they did at Wimbledon last year? Which is, you know, if you were a Russian player that lost in the first round, that equals, I mean, you're not really protecting any points and you're not earning any money. So right. that's, you know, what what could be done for them. Yeah. I don't know how far Medvedev made it if he made the quarterfinals. I think he I made the quarterfinals. Yeah, I don't remember. <clears throat> anyway. I, I mean, we did do a show every day last that's year. True. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're at 100 right now. Um, so in summary... We would like the war to end. We definitely support those Ukrainian players. Mm. We don't think that this is necessarily the best way to mm. support that. We need to, you know, bring more awareness and perhaps use the the tour and the tournament. Perhaps Wimbledon could could use its um, tremendous clout as you know yeah. the top tournament in the world to help raise some money as opposed to banning all the players. Yeah, you know what? Perfect way to end that. And that segment, and sorry, one last thing. I did remember this. John Millman, competing in Belgrade this year, this this week, tweeted out like, "Let's all boycott Wimbledon." He was so not in favor of this blocking of Belarusian and Russian players. Like, girl, let's all boycott Wimbledon. This is just a joke and not cool. Yeah, that's actually what I said. Oh, you um, said you. S- I said that to a post too on Facebook. I was like, maybe I won't watch. Ooh. Can you imagine that? That will send a big, you know, a, a big signal to Wimbledon that they did the wrong thing. <laughs> From, if, if I don't watch, yeah, yeah, because we're how are we, how are we gonna do our Wimbledon tens? Yeah, do you guys know who Jason Patterson is? Like, girl, <laughs> um, there is actual tennis going on. You know, Barca Barcelona for you and I, <laughs> uh, if you recall. Um, was our match of the year last year. Oh, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> but we, before we talk about that, we should talk about Mon- Monte Carlo. I remember texting you. Yes. Uh, I think it was Friday. Uh, mm-hmm. And I said to you, the quarterfinal matches in Monte Carlo were amazing. Mm. Um, all sort of for different reasons. And I actually literally said this to Wade as I was watching the um Sitsi Pass Schwartzman quarterfinal. <laughs> I was like, I actually don't believe I knew that Monte Carlo had lights because I don't think I have ever watched a night match there. I don't think I've ever watched a night ma- match there either, which is funny to me because you know, we've been covering this for like so many years. I guess there haven't been any matches that have gone that long. That's so no. strange. Maybe the maybe the rich were like, you know, Monte Carlo being a place where rich people kind of flaunt their money. They're like, we got to get to to dinner at like whatever expensive hotel that they're having or restaurant they're having dinner I, at. I kind of thought it was one of those snooty tournaments that no, we're not gonna have night matches. But that City Pass match was under the lights. Because <laughs> all those other matches were three sets. Yeah, and talking about that match for starters, he was out and about in that match. Love four in the third set, girl. What ha- happened? <laughs> well, the thing about that match was Schwartzman was like out and about. He was down <laughs> six two. Right. It right. was five two uh, <laughs> in the th- in the second set. I was like, it, it was literally a match. I I had watched all three of the previous matches, like all the way through I was like mm, not the biggest fan of Schwartzman sorry yeah just not 
uh, sorry to all my all our listeners who love Schwartzman. Which is funny because you like a little nugget, but <laughs> yeah, I like um, Hugo Gaston, but not uh, Schwartzman. Um, but he came back and won the the third set seven six. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna let's see where this goes because the crowd was into it. You know, the it was half the fans that were there for the Sinners Verev match. So I'm like, okay, this is good. It's a night match. <laughs> Schwartzman goes up for for love. I'm like, okay. This is going to be a bit of a route. And uh, Tsitsipas looked disengaged, not at all interested. Mm. Nothing was working. Um, he had lost, what, nine of the last ten games. But slowly he chipped away and he won the next six games. So I was like, what the heck is happening? And then you were watching it and posted that amazing dive uh, volley. Yeah. Booty energy. Yeah. Big it was, booty energy. Uh, it, like the, it was just incredible, uh, an incredible sort of end to that f- set of four matches. All that went three sets, all were sort of dramatic for different reasons. You know, Sinner being from Italia, but or Italia <laughs> being from Italy, <laughs> which is close to Monaco. He had all the fans behind him. The match ended uh, with a, a tie break. Uh, the the Dimitrov her catch match ended in a tie break. Ugh. Yeah, I mean I will say this. Last week's episode, I clearly stated like what is wrong with Zverev and my ex boyfriend Tsitsipas. Do they not like the beginning of the year? Like, do the from January to like March are they just like checked out and like not wanting to do well at Indian Wells or Miami or <laughs> any of those tournaments? Like, do they not care? And I remember saying, like, you know, the 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 three that we were talking about, CC Pass and Zverev, like, we're just gonna not talk about them anymore because Alcaraz and Rude and all of these guys that are kind of in this like second tier of players have really stepped up. And <laughs> did they listen to the episode? Probably not, <laughs> but um, they definitely turned up their game. I mean, Zverev was playing very well, and you know, as we all know, he did so well in the clay last season. And at Pass, back-to-back Monte Carlo tournaments, like, protecting mm-hmm. all of his points. Like, if you had asked me whether he was going to go into this tournament and fucking win it, I would have been like, are you kidding me? Is that a joke? <laughs> but she did. She did. And she refound that magic that, you know, that did her so well in the clay court last season. Yeah. Yeah, no, she played really well, especially against Zverev. Like, Zverev uh. had no answers that match with straight sets Zverev's hiccups are coming back on that second serve yeah I don't know if you noticed that but um, they're definitely coming back but I think you know there are two uh, standout players perhaps this week as well uh, in addition to Tsitsipas that Mm. we should talk about okay Um, Gregor Dimitrov oh please talk about him continuing to sort of he's he's like the elder statesman of this whole crew of players i guess schwartzman is maybe perhaps as well but um you know gregor's 30 now in terms of um that group of quarterfinalists he's uh, the old guard mm-hmm. and then davidovich fokina or foki you know making what his first fine his first tour final I was all about Davidovich Fakina until he played Dimitrov in that semifinal, loved to down in that third set and fucking hit that stupid underhand serve <laughs> that clearly rattled Dimitrov. I was living for a Dimitrov storyline here, to be honest. And I was yeah. like, it, and Dimitrov was playing so well in that match. And I don't know, maybe you can share how you feel about this guy. Like Grigor, I think has had such a bad rap rep and has really has so much talent calling people calling him baby fed for years and never living up to his fullest potential and i was like girl this is your time to win a masters 1000 and what a fucking loser (laughs) davidovich fokina was like you know i'm all about an underhand serve but like what a way to just change the momentum of that match it really hated him in that moment <laughs> you wanted him to play it legit yeah he he shook things up i didn't know how i felt about him but uh i warmed up to him throughout the event i didn't like how he celebrated his semifinals when i actually said to wade i was like 
Girl, you didn't win the tournament. Why are you going up to your team and like jumping up and down like you've won like the World Cup and shit? I'm like, slow down. You still have a finals match. <laughs> I literally said that. I was like, dude. I mean, his team was very excited and there were tears and stuff. And I think that's all well and good. But don't like do the jump up and down celebration like you won the trophy. I mean, he did that in the quarterfinals, too. I guess it's a, listen, it's a monumental moment for him to advance so deeply in the Masters 1000. But, yeah, I echo your sentiments. Like, just chill for a minute. Yeah. I do like many things about his game. I mm. like how aggressive he is mm. um, off of both wings. I like how he can hit on the run, that down-the-line passing shot on his backhand, um, you know, underhand hurt serve aside. Um, mm. he's very aggressive. Uh, I, I, somebody compared him in the, uh, commentary to Dominic team in terms of the way he leans into his shots. So, mm. uh, there's definitely, I think an upside with him and I'm sure Spain is loving having an, a, another potential top player. Did you also like his uh, like top rat his tail? <laughs> And like shave, like shave sides. Don't don't necessarily love that. I'm not. Um, I, I'm not into him sexually. Mm. Like I wouldn't go for that. But uh. I love his aggressiveness. I love his demeanor on the court. I love his energy and how he brings the crowd in. Yeah, I love all that stuff. He gives me a David Nalbandian. You know, mm. he gives me a David Nalbandian vibe. Yeah, like David Nalbandian will always be my like wreck me daddy thirst trap moment but <laughs> davidovich fakina isn't quite there i he just needs to shave his head i think he'd be better looking <laughs> just if shave, he just it shave, completely. His head. shave it completely off yeah yeah don't tie it back and <laughs> um any other takeaways for you i i mean taylor fritz played really uh, well i thought yeah. he should have probably won that match against Foki. Mm-hmm. yeah no Foki did up <laughs> um no i mean I, i'm happy with the way that we covered it i was really sad that dimitrov didn't have his moment i really yeah. feel for the guy and i hope that he has his moment this year i think he's won a masters 1000 event before no like beijing did he win beijing rem- i don't remember i'm gonna look this up but he did win the the t- year-end championships before yeah i mean uh, listen i Dimitrov seems to always have been clouded by issues off the court. Remember, like he smashed with Serena, he smashed with Maria. Like when you do that, <laughs> like the the top two women players at the time, you're all you're obviously going to be in the headlines, and yeah. that kind of overshadowed his actual play. And you know, maybe he pulled a Raducanu and wasn't focusing as much as he should be should have been on the court. And that kind of led him to miss opportunities and winning slams and going deep in, in tournaments. And I, I, I sense a, a, a development and a maturity in him that's like, you know what, listen, I'm not getting any younger. I, I love tennis. I want to do well in tennis. I want to put my stamp in the history of, um, of tennis. And I want to start winning tournaments and i thought that he was kind of cheated of that with that underhand serve (laughs) yeah i know sorry it's dramatic but (laughs) i'm being honest (laughs) he won uh cincy in 2017 and that's the same year he won the atp tour finals well he must have finished in the top eight that year must have yeah he would have had to yeah qualify and all that right qualify yeah exactly yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm you not, know... I'm not going to look up what his ranking was because yeah. I don't really care. You're good, you're good. Okay, I want to play a really, a really quick game with you. All right. We're doing the game break. I like this. We're going to do a game break before we head off into the other tournaments. God knows there's like 7 million other tournaments, so bear with us, y'all, this week. Always. You know, so uh, just like I do in teaching, I give the kids a little stretch break, you know, because sitting down for like 45 minutes at a time can be a bit overwhelming. So we're going to do that this time. So the game that we're going to play in honor of... Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to do it in honor of Barcelona, which is what we're going to lead into. Barcelona. Barcelona. You and I have said on the show before how there have been many men's tennis players from Spain that carry three names. So this game is going to test you on your knowledge of 
Spanish tennis players with three names. <laughs> and this is the way that we're going to play. I'm going to go through the top 100. And in order of ranking, I'm going to give you the initials of the Spanish players that carry three names. You, Your simple task, Jason Patterson, is to tell us and all of our podcast listeners what their full name is. Simple. <laughs> this is just ATP players? Uh, I'm not going to be the devil and ask you to do women's players. <laughs> because you're the, you're the WTA <laughs> expert and I'm the ATP expert. I actually don't think that there's many left right. to be tbh one of them retired one of them retired yeah all right let's get started okay <laughs> at number let's get started let's get started <laughs> at number 18 rba yeah roberto batista agut ding 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 one <laughs> for one right behind him at number 19 pcb um pablo Correña. Busta. Wow, two for two. <laughs> okay, our biggest riser of the week at number 27, ADF. Alejandro Dovidovich Fokina. Wow. AKA Fokina. <laughs> three for three. <laughs> also a riser this week at number 32. It gets a bit tough now. I think those first three were fairly straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ARV. Oh, it sounds like a vehicle. <laughs> um, a gas guzzler. Is, is his first name also Alejandro? No, it is not. Mm. If you don't know, if you yeah, if you don't know the first name and the RV rings the bell, you can give the last two. Ramulos V. Ramos Vinolas. Vinolas. You get a you get a half get, mark for that. I get half marks. Okay. <laughs> there's more, girl. There's more. There's there's like one or two more. So let's. Well, are there one or two more? Rafael Frederico. Nadal. Oh, there's one more. Oh. One more. At number ninety six. <laughs> ninety six. Dropped 18 rank, um, 18 spots in the ranking. RCB. CB. This one's a tough one. Blame, you would recognize uh, it if I told you, but you wouldn't remember. Cub, 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 oh shit! RCB. Is his name Roberto? It is. Wow. Cabanero. It's not a pasta. Bayani. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm going to give you the full mark for that because that's, that's a tough one to remember. Roberto Carvales Bayena. Oh, Bayena. Good job. Thank you. You pass with flying colors. I you get to with flying colors. <laughs> <laughs> carbonara. You, your, your reward is a carbonara dish. <laughs> Roberto Carbonara Begu. Agut. <laughs> And um, what's his name? He officially uh, <laughs> only has two two names. Unibrow. Uh, <laughs> Carlos. Carlos. Alcaraz. Garfia. Busta. <laughs> Busta. We should just mix all their names up. Yeah. Carlos Alcaraz. Agut. <laughs> No one would know the difference. No, <laughs> it's a fun. It's a fun game. Yeah, it it is interesting that some. Well, a lot of them have chosen to go the three name route, but like <clears throat> David Ferrer, mm. Rafael Nadal, mm -hmm. only two. Yeah, yeah, only two. Yeah, don't care about that middle name. <laughs> <laughs> fun game. Yeah, I I'm pleasantly surprised that you got all five <laughs> I, I, I mean i got like half points for the four four two. and a half four yeah. and a half out of five. Oh, that's generous for, it's, a, <laughs> it's a birthday generosity that you're giving me <laughs> um well that's probably good um in honor of spain because i'm sure there's some other spanish players who are lesser known who got wild card spots who also have three names that we don't know yeah, there, there's tons in the waiting. Tons waiting to make their mark. Yeah, tons to make a 
bigger, longer game for future episodes. Yeah. Can I, sorry, can I just start off with our Barcelona segment by saying the following? Maybe it was a minor story, but there's been so much that's happened in the world of tennis this week that's just hard to cover everything. I did want to make special mention of Tommy Robredo. I did not know that Tommy Robredo was going to play his last tournament in Barcelona. Uh, you know, after reading up on him, it makes sense because this is where he started his ATP career almost two decades ago. We've mentioned Russell, our friend before. I used to play doubles with Russell. Russell is Tommy Robredo's number one fan, as he is Camila Giorgi on the women's side. But to the extent that um, Russell loves Tommy so much that he named his cat after him. So Ramos Vinolas, the guy that took him... No, no, no. It wasn't Ramos. It was Zapata Morales, Mm. outside of the top 100, so not part of the game. Um, (laughs) Took him out mercilessly, like one and one. Really? yeah, that kind of put an end to Tommy's career. But thanks, Tommy. You know, thanks, you, Tommy. You did well, Tommy Robredo. A goot. <laughs> <laughs> we bid you a goot. <laughs> uh, I was surprised actually. I hopped on the TV and saw the the order of play. I was like, he's still playing. Like. like I didn't actually, I thought he had retired a long time ago. Yeah. he. I mean, he's giving some serious, like, silver daddy <clears throat> vibes. But he's what, actually a daddy. Do you have a little bit of, like, highlights of his career? Like, I remember him being, like, a bit of a, a fighter. Yeah. He won 12 ATP tournaments in his career. He won one Masters 1000, I believe, when Stuttgart. It was a German tournament. When Stuttgart was a 1,000? When Stuttgart was a 1,000 on the men's side. Um, he has beaten Djokovic and Federer. I, th- I think that anyone that plays tennis on the men's side, if you've beaten one of the top three, that automatically goes into your like, you know, list of accomplishments in your career. So he's done that. Um, yeah, so he's done... And he's done very well at, obviously, clay court tournaments. It's his favorite service. Yeah. So, you know, anytime the clay court season rolls around, got to watch out for Tommy Robredo. Yeah. Well, yeah. we... Tommy, congrats on an incredible career. 12 titles. I will <laughs> win zero titles. So, <laughs> good for you. And we bid you a goot. I will be, we'll bid you a goot. Can I ask you a question? So, yeah. did you catch any of the Felix match against Taberner? So I did not. I turned it on this morning because I'm usually a bit slow to record the daily um, the daily matches. So I, mm. I get up. It, it starts at 5 and I get up <laughs> at like 7. I'm like, oh, I got to record it. And then I turn it on to the channel. So this is my process. I turn it on to the channel. There's a whole like a couple of steps that I have to do to record and it sort of records from 5 a.m. So I so I pause it so I don't see the score. Ah, okay. Because I don't gotcha. want to see the score whatever I've turned, wherever I've turned it on. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, Felix was on the screen. So I didn't uh, see the match. I paused it. I haven't watched any tennis today, so I don't know the result. But you you should talk about it because I'm probably not going to watch it because it's 10 a freaking clock. I mean, I just find Felix such a frustrating person to get behind. I do. I mean, clearly you and I are both Canadian. We want to raise a Canadian flag. Congrats to the women's team for qualifying for the Billy, you know, this past week um, when there are no WTA tournaments. We want to support Canada so hard, Felix included. Taberner, to me, should be like a very straightforward match for Felix. You know, he really hasn't cracked that level of play where you know a match like this should kind of be in the pocket where he can kind of experiment with things yes i know it's the beginning of the clay court season for him but like girl taberner should be a person that you should not have difficulty against and he's still committing the same mistakes over and over again like that second set he was up to love he just started like flailing his forehand and hitting wildly and like what is what is going on here and he ended up squeaking that one out 6-4 in the third set. Like, don't put us through this emotional <laughs> roller coaster. We don't yeah. need that in the second round. We don't. I, I mean, this is indicative, I think, of where, you know, Felix and Dennis collectively are at. Like, they're still in positions where they can't 
they don't necessarily come to win in those matches where they should win, but uh-huh. they come to win in the matches where uh, they know it's going to be a battle. So. That's that's an excellent analysis. Like they play up for matches where it's going to be difficult, but like you know they play Aldwin era, no ranking on the ATP tour, and they're like, uh, uh, we're going to lose the second set for no reason. Yeah, that's why they lose a lot of matches to players that they should beat. You know what? That it, maybe you should like slide into their coaches' DMs and let them know like they need to they need to take the same mentality into those high profile matches as they do in the first round. Uncle Tony, is it Tony, still Tony? Tony Nadal Agut. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> listen. Uh, Felix is overhitting that forehand. You know he's double faulting a lot. I actually don't know what happened in this <laughs> match, but uh, we'll see. Who does he have in the next round? I don't know. I don't know who he has in the next round. I just was like so emotionally like tired from that match. I didn't need to take a nap. <laughs> you need to take. I a need nap. to take a nap. I do love the Barcelona tournament. I th- and I think I realized like after watching Mo- Monte Carlo, mm. you know, I real I think I realized how much I actually enjoy clay. I think I enjoy it more than I than I thought. And I also was like, after Monte Carlo, if anyone has any concern about like the future of tennis and the competitiveness and like, you know, don't worry about it. If you watch that for those four quarterfinal matches, then you should be okay with where things are, where things are headed. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward I, to watching more Barcelona. Uh, yeah. I, so do I. I mean, the glaring, uh, omission here is that Rafael Nadal, 12-time winner of the ter- of his home tournament, um, won last year. <laughs> match wow. of the year. Match of the mother effing year uh, is not there. When he said he might possibly be there after withdrawing from Indian Wells with a stress fracture in his rib. Um, but he did post on Monday on his IG a picture of himself training at his... Um, you know, home uh, home court saying that like, oh, it's nice to be on the, he calls it the earth. It's nice to be on the earth again. I guess oh. earth is like maybe a, like a loose translation for clay. That's cute. Um, and uh, I mean, here's hoping that he can be healthy enough to play uh, Roland Garros. I don't think he's going to be playing Rome. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he's going to just throw himself in Rome to see how things go. Yeah, Rome is uh, it's still, I think, three weeks away. So mm. I think there's a possibility. Madrid is before that. Um, mm. I mean, they might as well call him Raphael Clay Nadal. <laughs> a good. <laughs> For giving a good. <laughs> that would be four names. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's had such an incredible season. I remember, you know, <laughs> I remember like... Uh, in 2013 he was doing ads for like Tommy Hilfiger or something it was like, oh yeah that's the only thing he can do because he's not playing tennis because he's he's not going to be able to come back and then 2013 he came back and like won six tournaments and blah 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 so I'm never gonna write him off and obviously you can't because mm. we ragged him for making that video that he didn't want to make withdrawing <laughs> from the National Bank Open in Toronto and then he took the five or six months off came back won three tournaments 21 and one or whatever it is like yeah um and yeah you kind of root for him now so yes definitely yeah Raphael clay nadal, nadal. a good <laughs> booster <laughs> um you also wanted to talk about what was going on in serbia uh, uh... I mean, did I want to talk about it? <laughs> I mean, I listen, when I took a look at the draw, I was kind of astounded at how many people actually made it to Serbia. So people go there because they like Djokovic. You mean players? I think pl- the players want to support him in the tournament that he's created there in Serbia. Oh. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> like, I mean, clearly Krajanovic is going to be there because he's his countryman. Yeah, team. Um, yeah okay listen I when I looked at the draw there's a there to me two clear stories that come out of Belgrade number one team's return he played Milman in the first round team looked really good but just indicative of any player that hasn't played a professional batch in months years you know he looked a bit rusty 
And but he did do very well. And it's funny because Milman took that match. And when they shook hands at the end, you could hear the mic had picked up what Milman <laughs> said to uh, to Dominic. And he was like, listen, man, when you're 100 percent, I'm not going to be winning these. <laughs> he he kind of said that, That's which, so cute. which was so cute. But it was nice to see Dommy back on the court. I mean, he's wearing that fucking ugly Adidas kit, which is a goddamn shame. Um, he's but, does he did wait? Did he debut? Did he debut his <laughs> ugly letter logo? I don't know. His he was wearing the kit that everyone else was wearing with those hieroglyphics about the water. Um, you okay. know, with the water symbols. Gotcha. I so when I. <laughs> When I saw sort of the myriad of those kits and, you know, multiple players have different versions of them. Um, Sebi Korda, Songa have sort of the black iteration. Mm. And then I saw it up close. <laughs> um, not the black version, but um, Zverev's version. And, you know, Pass had the nice sort of... I don't know. It's not lime green, but it's sort of like in like that a minty. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then I saw sort of uh, what I like about Adidas's kits generally is that they actually take uh, and make an effort to match the footwear with the uh, top agreed. and the shorts. Mm. And uh, so they did that with Zverev. Zverev had the sort of baby blue. And when I looked at it closer and I saw the detail, I was like, okay, that's cute. Um, and um, Sitsipas had the he had like a teal mm. and either burgundy or red and black shoe and I was like that that combination works yes agreed okay fine we'll give Adidas a clap clap for the color combo yeah um, but and, I, and the cause <laughs> oh right that's yeah you know we want to save our oceans yes. <laughs> that's for sure um, and yeah. making shirts out of plastic yeah I mean, I wonder where they got that idea from. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, nice to nice to see team back on the court. Um, I feel like you and I haven't adequately covered Djokovic's return back to tennis. I mean, can we call it a return? I mean, he was uh, clearly not allowed to play in certain tournaments and yeah. was going to fly back to Serbia. He pulled his Houdini trick, as all classic champions do. He played Jarrett. Jarrett was playing out of his fucking mind can i tell you you actually have to take 10 minutes after recording to watch the um, highlights of this match jarrah was playing that forehand so hard and i just felt like he was going to this match he's like i'm gonna play djokovic on his home turf i've got zero fucking shot i'm just gonna go balls <laughs> out and he was winning he really was winning and third set tie break he was up i think to love or he was up by two points i'm not even kidding you he had a floater at at the net, uh, he could have done anything with a ball, and he hit into the into the net. No. Yeah, and oh. it was just like you knew that there was an, an ultimate momentum shift in that moment. Oh no! Mm. I do want more for him. I kind of like him as a player. I don't mm. get to see a ton of his matches because he tends to go out early. But <laughs> <laughs> I do, you know, would like to see um, more from him. So we'll see. Obviously, what happens in Barcelona. Mm. and uh, Serbia but another player who made her return was Ooh. Bianca Andrescu Ooh. Um, I was very excited to see her play and I did watch um, I watched the first set I thought she was going to lose <laughs> to be honest I'm same. yeah she was down a break for most of it um, and then at 5-4 she came back and got that break back and the tie break was a bit topsy turvy, and she was just just a bit more solid, and seemed to not really have lost a, a step. Uh, her opponent was a bit more aggressive uh, in the early stages of the first set, and then she just sort of fell off and was making more errors. And mm. yeah, Bianca was a bit more solid. Yeah, she's got that champion's mentality. Like I, you can always count on a champion really to come back from a lay layoff of months. And figure out a way to win. And it didn't surprise me. I mean, it did surprise me that she lost, that she won the first set. But it didn't surprise me that she ultimately won the match. Like, if she had come back to win the first set, there was no way that she was going to lose that second set, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to see her back. And, you know, she said at post-match 
that very similar to people like Ash Barty and Naomi Osaka who had taken breaks from the game for mental mental illness reasons. She's like, yeah, no, I feel free and fancy and fun on the court. I'm paraphrasing here. She didn't say any of those words. <laughs> but, you know, she doesn't feel the pressure where she did feel the pressure after winning that U.S. Open. And that seems to have helped her mental game so much more. So we're glad to see that. Yeah, if you can take a break and, you know, spend some of that money, spend some of that U.S. Open money to do a retreat <laughs> in Costa Rica, I'm sure you're going to get your breath fresh on. Fresh yeah. breath on. Yeah. Get that breath on. Yeah. We're sure. excited to see her back. Um, she's dangerous. I hope that other players haven't gotten as good and she's still... Uh, someone who can beat anybody that's my hope yeah I just I clearly we want her to start making it deep into draws because the mat the matchups is what we're gonna want to know well I mean she has the matchup tomorrow morning at 7 30 she plays Sabalenka tomorrow morning oh yeah so that's gonna be a hot one to watch see where she stacks up against a power player like her maybe she'll be able to take advantage of the fact that Sabalenka will be sad that she's not playing Wembley yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Get her, Bianca. Get her. Get her. And then once you win Stuttgart, come on our show. I, well, she had so much time to come on. <laughs> now know. she's playing tennis again. So, <laughs> Don't you get a little bit depressed watching Stuttgart? Doesn't it feel weird to watch a tournament indoors on clay that's so, like, dark and dour looking? Yeah. I would just be, <laughs> I would be completely, um, even though I don't know how to drive, but completely like distracted looking at that Porsche in that back corner. Yeah. You know, it just it, feels all dark and I can't imagine that tournament operating last year with zero fans. Uh, yeah. It's like playing in a fucking garage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they have a, a, a whole lot of top players. Yeah. And uh, has Emma played yet? Emma played. She played uh, Storm Sanders from Australia, and the feedback has been amazing. She won one and one, okay. composed. I know that Wade fucking hates this word. Maybe you do as well. She was very poised. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a brand name of a tampon. <laughs> You're in Canada. <laughs> she was composed, poised. I mean, what other fun feminine related products, adjectives can we use? Uh, she played she played well. She played within herself. I mean, listen, Storm Sanders is uh no offense, Storm, but you know, not really known for clay court play, but nonetheless she played well, so we'll see how Ryder Cano kind of advances here. She didn't see the storm of Emma coming. She <laughs> you know, pitch that as a headline for one of the uh, German newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh Istanbul is also happening. That's where my dog's from. Oh, is it? <laughs> Can I just say this? This was my note in whatever the file that we created together. When when you have number your number one seed as Elise Mertens, no one fucking cares about your tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, listen, Elise was maybe a thing last like two years ago when she was like making it deep in the draws, like in Ostrava at the end of the year. But like, I just fucked up our chances of getting her on the show. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> she'll come on. She's she's got a thick skin. Um, before we go, yeah, we should send a big congratulations to somebody else who we would love to welcome on the show, which would be Maria Sharapova. Mm -hmm. I said to you, I don't think she's gonna come back to tennis now. <laughs> to to which I replied like girl she was never going to come back <laughs> <laughs> because she's having to you know she's living her life and traveling and loving her um, boyfriend or fiance or whoever it is so much so that they decided to have a baby baby daddy is she married yeah. I think she's married is are they married uh, married or not they have are expecting each other. They're, they're having good sex for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that she's pregnant. Oh, congrats, Maria. Yeah. Um, Do you think she's going to name her daughter Serena? I think she's going to name her daughter Sugar Pova. Oh, God. Did you see the post that Tim made on Facebook? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that The discounted sugar pova products for 75 cents or something like that yeah i think they just posted like grab as many as you can put it in your bag <laughs> it's, it's free <laughs> i haven't tried it have you tried it before 
uh, so we mentioned this on the show, but this was in the first season, so it's worth mentioning again. But Maria Sharapova did a little marketing thing at the Loblaw right at oh. the corner. Remember I told you this? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she, she came in and did like a little sort of visit to plug her product. Yeah, she did a whole launch. I guess it must have been during Rogers Cup because why else would she come to Toronto? <laughs> and uh, I remember buying the sugar pova that was in the shape of tennis balls. And um, I mean, Trudit's name was very sugary. And yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, for $5 a bag, I wasn't going to buy another one. <laughs> <laughs> was it, um, what did it taste like? It was like a mixture of like a. Um, a spongy kind of candy. It's hard. I can't think of a comparison to be honest, but it was like a soft, chewy candy that you could swallow. It wasn't like a gum situation. You know what I mean? As opposed to candy you can't swallow. Well, isn't gum candy? That's well, <laughs> gum is gum. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't. I've known people who swallow gum, so I don't know. I don't. I think that's da- I think that's dangerous, but. Is it? Any, anybody listening, do not swallow gum. You shouldn't. <laughs> it could get stuck in dirt. <laughs> I have never. So I'm a I'm a candy person. I do like you know going to the bulk barn and getting like the the berries and the like the keys and those sorts of things. I don't do it often anymore. But sugar pova is not something I've ever tried. Sorry, because this has come up as a thought. You know what we should create as our next kind of business venture? <laughs> a candy? Candy based on players. Madison Keys. Oh, Wouldn't shit. Wouldn't that be cute? Fuck. She's okay. going to steal that. Oh, shit. No one. Okay, don't listen to edit this last part out. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to sign off now because we're going to go talk about other business <laughs> ideas we have. Uh, okay, see you next week. It was super fun doing our 100th episode, and we hope you continue to enjoy and that you will finally get off your asses and give us a five-star review and like share and subscribe and tell us tell others about the show because that's how that's how we get our rocks off (laughs) yeah patreon merchandise let us know girl yeah okay bye bye we're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is but if you like what we're serving up Please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.